This is episode 303 of the Wrestling Brethren Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Wiener, along with Jarrett Aubrey. And on this episode, we discuss the latest in wrestling news, including what is going on with that pesky white rabbit. Hey, yo, Jay Will, get us started. What up? This is Josiah Williams, and you're listening to the Wrestling Brethren Podcast, where wrestling and pop culture collide. Yeah. Welcome into episode 303, and this episode train just keeps chugging along. We will be talking about the wrestling news of the last seven to ten days. With me tonight is Jarrett Aubrey and Jarrett. Whole bunch of stuff going on in the wrestling landscape. But before we can get to that, how the hell are you? I am about as good as I can get, Josh. I just started holidays. I'm on vacation for like two and a half weeks. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Ready to talk some wrestle. How about that? A vacation. Two and a half weeks. John Moxley don't know nothing about that. <laughs> oh, John. You're asking me to go back in and, and, and save the company. <laughs> I think that's why you needed your vacation. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get to John in a little bit, but we're going to start out with the wrestling news. And we will start things with the what's going on in the land of WWE. So I'm going to go over some bullet points here, and then Jarrett and I are going to have a conversation about what we think about certain topics and, and things that are going on. So since we last spoke to everybody out there, Roman Reigns versus Logan Paul has been announced for Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia on November 5th. Elias will be returning to WWE TV once his beard has fully grown back. And that's just a weird sentence. Wait, what? Okay, so first of all, okay, let's go back to, to Roman and Logan Paul here. So they're going to make a spectacle out of this, right? But is anyone else just super happy that Logan Paul's going to get smashed? Oh, you mean their number one top babyface that they're trying to promote? <laughs> who all but tried to heal himself out on his podcast challenged Roman in the first place. Yeah, the, for as much as he talks about knowing the business and having respect for the business, he's clueless. And for the fact that they're still trying to push him as a babyface when he's nothing but a douchebag is beyond me. And rumor has it he's bringing his brother so they can both get smashed as far as I'm concerned. Oh, sweet. So the entire bloodline can just smash them all in. <laughs> well, those that can travel there, I don't think. I don't think the honorary Ouse will be there, but we'll get to him in a, in a short minute. Okay, so moving on, there have been loads of teases involving a white rabbit and some other clues and hints and things. And this will probably spawn a longer conversation. So I'm going to snip it here and we will come. We will. We will do that corporate talk thing. We will circle back when we're done with the rest of the news. But uh, in other news items, Survivor Series War Games is now a thing. And thank you, Triple H, for that. WWE has reportedly reached out to AEW talent. That's not the story. We've discussed that before. But the news is whom they have reached out to. Names include Malachi Black, FTR, Chris Jericho, and on a side note, Bobby Fish, who was recently released, reportedly tried to talk Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly into returning to WWE with him, and reportedly they both told him no. DX, 
of Triple H and Shawn Michaels will be appearing on the October 10th Raw from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York to commemorate 25 years of DX. And if that doesn't make you feel old, they've got two words for you. <laughs> There's no word if Road Dog or Sean Waltman will be there. Billy Gunn works for AEW, and of course, China passed away in 2016. Roman Reigns on SmackDown made Sami Zayn an official honorary oose with his own t-shirt. And lastly, we are getting Seamus Gunther 2 on the October 7th episode of SmackDown that is being branded as the season premiere, even though there is no off-season. Just on that match alone, if they went back and even just redid you know, the match they just had, I would be completely, completely happy with that. I, I suspect they're going to find new and interesting ways to beat the absolute living crap out of each other, so you can count me as like bolted into my seat to watch this one yeah the only thing is they're probably going to have at least one if not two commercial breaks in it so here's to hoping on the season premiere we will be limited interruptions they can do that they've done it in the past so hopefully we'll get it for this match as well uh what did you think of the whole segment with the bloodline including Sami Zayn? well they got me <laughs> they got me for sure. I, I thought when, when Roman grabbed the mic at the end, when, when Sammy first cut them off, or when Roman's music was playing and they're all about to to leave the ring, and then and Sammy cuts them off. He's like, "Wait a minute, guys, I got something to say." I thought that was it. I thought Roman was going to sick the Usos on them or on Sammy, and and Solo. I thought that he was going to get his ass kicked. I thought this was going to be the turn. Um, it wasn't going to look good. Let's, let's put it that way. You don't you don't interrupt the tribal chief, right? This is the way it works. So I like I like the swerve, but what was more interesting was how how Jay was doing. He loved ripping that shirt off of uh, off of Sammy. He thought, yeah, we're getting rid of him. You got to swerve the rest of us. So that little tension thing is happening, and that's starting to place some seeds in amongst the bloodline there. So I'm not quite sure what the end goal is, but maybe it ends up with Roman beating them down again. Who knows? But that's got my interest. So now we're, now we're getting back into a little bit of storytelling here that the, the bloodline has been sorely missing. Um, and especially now with the, the introduction of solo and this, the, the whole Sammy uh, J thing is like, okay, this is interesting. We've got some tension here. Now we've got some different things happening. How I'm in, but what happens next? How great were Jay's facials during oh. this segment? It's like what? <laughs> <laughs> and then as soon as Roman makes it sound like he's kicking him out, uh, he tells him to take off the shirt. Jay's over there. Yeah, take it off. Take it off. Take it off. Take it off. He's like. <laughs> Uh, and then as soon as Roman goes, I don't want you ever wearing that shirt again because I got you a new one. And then Jay just leans up against the ropes and be like, damn, <laughs> trying to do his best Ron Simmons impersonation. <laughs> I guess technically he won't be wearing a bloodline shirt anymore. But well, he, he's still the <laughs> he's still the, the, the chihuahua that walks down the street with her, with the bulldog. <laughs> Hey Spike, hey Spike, what can I do for you? Spike wants some water, Spike. Hey, gotta go get your uh, steak in the butcher, Spike. How about that, Spike? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, it can be a little annoying, so I, I hope they. This isn't a thing I want to see them run for another three months. I I hope they do something with this fairly quick and then get it over and done with. Yeah, I mean, we've been clamoring for them to tell some more story with this, and uh, I don't think in either of our wildest imaginations we thought it would involve Sami Zayn, but. I'm here for it. I kind of like what they're doing. Uh, they're building up the sympathy for Sami Zayn so much that when he gets turned on, he's going to have so much sympathy. It's going to be unbelievable. He's going to go from the smarmiest of heels to probably one of the biggest baby faces they have. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be that's going to be a neat reaction when it finally happens. And I, I've been reading. But the the rumor, and I think you might even mention this a couple of shows ago, 
that there's been a lot of talk of perhaps him and, and Kevin Owens getting back together and then challenging the, the Usos for the titles, and that would be where they lose them. Uh, I would be in for that as well. Um, even though I'm, I'm not a huge KO guy, but he's starting to perhaps win me over a little bit here as he's bringing back the prize fighter and he's getting the intensity back here. So um, I could be in for that too. So yeah, lots of, lots of good potentials coming up. Yeah. And it, it, if you tell that story, right, which obviously the correct people in charge are there to do it. Uh, I think they could stretch it for as long as they need to stretch it and keep it interesting. And there's plenty of meat on the bone, as they say. I think what, what is even going to be more interesting is after WrestleMania, when whatever happens and the Usos lose the titles, Roman loses finally. Um, what do they do with Roman afterwards? I, I suspect he goes on a long break, but I don't know what. Like, how do how do you put Roman back in the picture after uh, a, a, a dominating run like no other of this? Probably like the best run of this generation of the last twenty five years. So, you know, what do you do with Roman Reigns after he loses? Throwing him right back into the title scene is going to be boring because we've just seen it for two two and a half years. I don't think he needs to be right in the title scene right away. I think he goes away for a while. I think he maybe retweaks a little bit. Um, and then maybe we get the tribal chief as a flat out baby face. Um, I think that would work because it's organic and it's not something that's being shoved down our throats like it has been previously. Cough, Austin Theory, cough. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, he doesn't need even need to be in the title picture uh, post dropping the title because he's in that upper echelon. He's Teflon at this point. He's, you know, I'm not saying he needs to go on a losing streak and put people over, but I'm, I'm saying, you know, he doesn't need to be the focal point if that's not what is being, you know, that's not what's needed at the time. Yeah, I, I'm just curious to see how that plays out. <clears throat> We get uh, six months from now is going to be super, super, super interesting. Yeah, we might need to redo that show or at least topic of who is the one to take down Roman Reigns because now there's a whole different crop of candidates. Yep. So do you still feel the same way and why? Well, let me tell you something, Mean Gene. I can tell you I'd have to redo my pick because my pick just lost the AEW tag team titles. So... <laughs> yeah that's not a thing anymore anyway i'm not quite sure how to feel about dx back on tv other than it's gonna make me feel old because they're gonna spend the whole time talking about 25 years and probably making age jokes and they both run the shows now so hopefully they keep it short and sweet well then they have to keep it a bit of a historical look back and then they're not trying to reenact those days, right? Because like, can you can you imagine those guys trying to play all those potty jokes and that stuff now when they're what fifty and running the company? Yeah, I don't think so. Well, we definitely don't need the DX burying somebody segment because they could do that another way. But I don't think that's I don't think that's where we're at in the wrestling landscape. But. Uh, it'll be interesting to see a couple weeks from now. And I don't have much to say on the whole WWE AEW talent thing. It's, it's stupid when they're talking to people who are under contract. Yeah, it's one thing if your deal is up soon, but Malachi Black had five years left on his deal. And I'll be touching on his situation a little bit later on, but it's just weird. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk with him more later, but... I wonder, you know, in the case of somebody like Chris Jericho, right? And I mean, hashtag tampering if you want to go down that route. But you know, he's he's probably one that, that could come back for one last. I don't know what he would they would they put Jericho on a championship run back in WWE, or does he come back and have a couple of big dream matches and and call it? Because what has he got left to do? That's the thing. I don't I don't see him going back. 
there isn't anything for him to do. And the way they screwed him at WrestleMania, I don't think he's inclined to go back. <laughs> he, he does not speak fondly of those days. Um, <laughs> and, and, and just a scotch. Yeah. Yeah. And in WrestleMania in particular, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I could see him not coming back. He's, he's done enough in uh, both sides. He's done enough in WWE and certainly, uh, elevating AEW and accomplishing what he's done there um, and reinventing himself a couple of times. Yeah, it's, I'd be cool if he was he was done after his AEW run. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that's where it's going to go. So uh, I think it's funny that Bobby Fish tried to talk Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly into coming back, and they both told him to kick rocks, and now he just turned up in Impact Wrestling. So, Bobby, you're 46. Good luck to you, but... Uh, impact is impact my friend all right something that i am willing to talk about and i'm happy about is survivor series is now going to feature two war games matches and it will not be red versus blue it will be actually storyline dictated who knew excuse my french but hell of fucking luya i i heard i heard hunter talking about that and he's like yeah, this is and the way he's talking about the way Survivor Series used to be. And like you said, storyline driven and teams were formed because it was people that already had bad blood against each other and they came together to fight a group of enemies. Those were fantastic matches and they and they always meant something. This whole red blue thing, raw smackdown thing, yeah, you ter- turned it terrible. Um yeah, the, the old days. Can you imagine? So we get like the bloodline on one side, you know, and then the people that are challenging them for the titles up on the, on the other side, perhaps to, to further those feuds, something like that. But yeah, make the storyline mean something, actually. Could you imagine? I, I, I don't know if it's going to be the bloodline in war games. It's either that. I mean, you got to think of factions first. So you think them or you think Judgment Day. But here's the thing. Could you imagine going into next year and be like, oh, well, Roman, you're going to have a inconsequential title defense at Royal Rumble, and then we're going to set up your match for WrestleMania. But before you can do all that, you have to survive war games first. <laughs> Youch. So here's some ibuprofen and go. <laughs> but I'm very happy that Survivor Series is given being given the proper attention and booking that it deserves. It will actually mean something now, even though nothing's really technically on the line yet that we know of. But when two of your champions are unified champions, can't exactly do Roman Reigns versus Roman Reigns and the Usos versus the Usos. Roman could redo that. Um, that COVID style, or, the, or there's that one invisible wrestler match from uh, I one independent fed that was about two <laughs> years ago. Uh, uh, the COVID match, or whatever it was called, the the six feet apart match. Yeah. Oh uh, boy. Lastly, the topic from WWE that we are going to be discussing are all the. Hints, subtle or not, and teases and everything involving a white rabbit recently in WWE. It started last week uh, during commercials of SmackDown and then again at a live event on Saturday. The song White Rabbit by Jefferson Starship, I want to say, if that's the group. Um, has been playing in the arena. And then when the song is done playing, a red light is turned on in the arena, similar to when The Fiend was wrestling and would wrestle in the red light. Then there was a QR code on Monday Night Raw that was spotted behind Austin Theory. And when you went to the QR code, you were taken to a website where there was a little video that played and it was a white rabbit going down a rabbit hole and then into a game of hangman. 
And the question was, who killed the world? And then the little white rabbit is bouncing around the letters, and the first five letters he guesses spell out the word demon. And then it turns out the answer to the puzzle of who killed the world is you did. And if you follow the internet reporting, the font used for the words you did are very similar to a font that was used on a t-shirt for The Fiend. <laughs> so we have that going on. Then we've got reports of when Killer Cross, a.k.a. Carrion Cross, was in Lucha Underground. His character was the White Rabbit. And everybody has a theory on the internet. My personal favorite is that everybody's hoping that the Firefly Funhouse has come to life and that Karrion Cross is White Rabbit, a.k.a. Um, and then Dexter Loomis is Mercy the Buzzard. Scarlet is Abby the Witch. So everybody's got their little conspiracy theories and everything is just being teased and nothing is for certain yet. But a lot of these clues do point to Bray Wyatt, a.k.a. The Fiend. And on last night's Smackdown, there was another QR code and another tease. And this time the video had map coordinates. And if you plot the coordinates into Google Maps... It takes you to the location for where Monday Night Raw is happening in two days. So, Jarrett, what are your thoughts on all these teases? Well, yeah, that's uh, that's probably more thought that's been put into any one angle for for, for quite a while. I think, and that's the bloodline included, and until recently. So I'm digging it. it. It it's screaming that it's that it's the fiend coming back. I like all the little touches, the the quick music bits, the white rabbit. You still have Alexa Bliss carrying the doll around, so that all ties into it too. Um, I can't wait to see what happens on Friday because I'm gonna be there. See if there's anything happening there. Maybe further that a little bit. But yeah, it's it. Could be could be faction, like you said, right? It could be him and Carrying Cross and and Loomis and whatever else. Alexa Bliss may be back in there too, um, so that could be interesting. Yeah, it it certainly screams the fiend, and and all of this stuff happening certainly screams a very creative mind, and and we all know that that Bray Wyatt is that, so it would not surprise me in the least. I like how you said it's the most effort being put into a character. <laughs> this is the extreme opposite of lights off, lights on. Ta-da! Yeah. <laughs> and we just had one of those on the other show the other night. Oh, we'll get to AEW in a minute. But um, have you seen or heard the Extreme Rules tie-in to Bray Wyatt? I cannot say that I have. Ooh, we're going to get a live reaction because I'm going to make you do it right now. <laughs> Go to WWE.com. You're going to make me do things? Jesus. <laughs> That's why it's called a live reaction. All right. WWE.com. Okay. Across the top, click shows. Okay. First one will be Raw, then SmackDown, then the third one should be Extreme Rules. Yes, sir. Click that. Okay, when you get to Extreme Rules, the first thing is Rhonda and Liv, and under that text description, there's a button that says Preview. Click that. Hey, clicked. Okay, without scrolling down just yet, describe to me the background behind Rhonda and Liv. It's very pur purple buildings. It's lit up in neon green. There's some lights in the background. Yeah, it's basically the color... The colors of Extreme Rules, if you look at the logo there. Yeah. yeah. Very neon. There's like barbed wire around that one post or whatever. Yeah. Now scroll down a little bit until you get to the picture for Riddle and Seth Rollins. 
Look oh to my. the look to okay. the left of Matt Rowe. Yeah. What well, do you see there? On each side, but yes, yeah, so that post that has a barbed wire around it. It looks like there's a lot of fireflies around there. Yeah, and look up. What's above the fireflies? Like just above and to the right of that green, neon green diagonal. That that looks like one of those old school lanterns that you one might carry around. Mm, doesn't it though? <laughs> That's mm-hmm. awesome. Conspiracy theories. So and so here's the thing, Josh. They're they're putting all this work in, right? And this is amazing. Like, I, thanks for pointing this out because I hadn't looked at this yet. And even if you look over Seth's shoulder, there's a chair there, and there's some more fireflies on the right hand side, fire extinguisher, that kind of thing. But I never really would have. I I might have caught the fireflies over a riddle shoulder and i'm like okay yeah that's kind of cool right colors are there there's some a lot of detail in the background there's some things happening i don't know that i caught that and put it all together like that's some that's some uh really excellent work by the content and production teams at wwe like that's awesome right It's it's got to be handled and and directed by the same people who put all the stuff in the background of the backstage segments where you you can't fast forward because you're gonna miss something. Yeah, and and as, so as you scroll down this the that the extreme rules screen, the the first you know live in Rhonda, there's a little bit of dusting happening. There's the barbed wire over the pole, and there's some. Like it's dust in the light, right? There's no lantern there or anything. You scroll down, you get the bigger picture of Liv and Rhonda. Okay, well, there's more dusty things happening. And maybe you can see like one thing that might look like a firefly, right? And it's like it's almost like it's snowing in the light, kind of. And then you scroll down, you get Seth and Riddle. And then you get the full firefly effect. You get the lantern, you get the chair. It's like that. that is pretty slick. Now, initially, before the Drew McIntyre carrying cross match was announced last night, the only two to go by were the men's match and the women's match. So people were like, is the Fiend going to come back during this match? But now the Fireflies are also in the Drew and carrying thing. So I, I, I don't know what to draw from that. But if you're going to tie in the whole carrying cross as part of the faction, you could tie that in, I guess. So lots of things to make people talk and discuss and keep the interest level high. And and all this ties into you know, what you were saying probably two weeks ago is like you have to watch the shows now because all these little things are happening in the background, just like the pictures on the website. Well, you were going to pay attention now. And I guess I need to stop fast forwarding because I didn't catch any of the QR code stuff that you're talking about. I must have zipped right through it. To be honest, I didn't either because I detest Austin Theory, so I either (laughs) fast-forwarded or I wasn't paying attention, one or the other. But still ingenious nonetheless. All right, switching gears over to AEW. Malachi Black explains his release further at an indie event. He was at, last Saturday, he was at an indie promotion called Prestige Wrestling. They held a show last Saturday, a week ago, as I said, as we record here, and he had this to say after his match, and I quote, I understand that all of you have questions. What am I doing? Where am I going? Look, on a serious note, understand that in due time, I will answer the majority of these questions. However, for the last 22 years of my life, I have never not once taken one step back and recalibrated my life and took a chance to kind of look back on all of the stuff that I've done in ring, but also the stuff that I went through outside of the ring. I've never done that because I always had this attitude of like, you know, when they give the horses these flaps that go to the sides of their heads where they can't look to the sides and then the crowd chimes in blinders. He goes, blinders, there we go. I'm Dutch. I don't know the word for that as well as my English is, guys. He says, look, I've done that for my entire professional career because I had this one attitude towards wrestling, which was you got to think globally, not locally, because if you think locally, you're going to get stuck in one place, right? 
So that applies to everything, by the way. If you want to branch out, you got to not be worried about the little things. You got to focus on the goal. And as cliche as that sounds, it's what's got me here in the United States. So for the 22 years that I've given my absolute everything to you who are more than deserving of it, let me put that out there. You've all been fantastic. Please allow me to take a few weeks, maybe a few months, to just recalibrate myself, get everything in perspective. I promise you this is not goodbye. This is just we'll see each other soon. End quote. Sounds like he's got some stuff that he needs to take care of, which happens to the best of us, probably all of us at some time. Yeah. Um, I hope he does. The guy's talented in the ring. I hope to see him back at some point. Definitely. And I said, more importantly, I hope he takes care of what he needs to get taken care of. Yeah, and this this goes back to when uh, we had discussed this, I think, last episode or maybe two episodes ago. I can't remember now. Uh, where Seth thought he was going to WWE. And I'm like, no, he was given a conditional release. And I'm pretty sure one of those conditions is don't go back to WWE. So we'll have to see how this plays out. But, you know, more importantly, here's hoping that uh, he gets everything in his life straightened out. And, uh, you know, this is one of those things where I'm glad he's catching it before something tragic happens and he's forced to or something tragic happens and he's not able to anymore so more power to him next cm punk reportedly more than likely gone from aew and it will involve the contract buyout once his injury is fully healed Nothing has been made official yet, but of course he underwent surgery shortly after All Out for his torn tricep, and that no timetable has been put on his uh, recovery, but those type of injuries, including surgery, take about seven to eight months of recovery. Uh, It's reported that once that time is up, He will have, I think, only a couple of months left on his current deal. And Tony will have to buy out the remainder of his contract and just to be rid of him. So this report came from the Wrestling Observer, I believe. And like I said, while nothing is official, it seems like these bridges were not just burned they done been blowed up. <laughs> well, I, I think it's cool that, you know, they're taking into consideration that Punk got injured doing AEW things and they're not just outright releasing them, even though they're probably within all of their rights to do so. Um, and I probably would have if I was in Tony Khan's shoes, but, you know, pay him through till he's recovered. At that point, like you said, a couple months left take care of the rest of his contract and you're done with them. Yeah. I, probably that's a, that's a smart call. Yeah. I, I can't imagine that. I don't know. I, I think after that, I think you're not going to see punk anywhere after this again, not in professional wrestling anyway. Um, yeah. Like I said previously, I'm probably the biggest CM Punk mark there is. And even this is tough for me to justify. So uh, we could probably spend a different episode going over the year that was his return. Um, it did have its ups and its downs, uh, but we're not going to get into that now. Um, it's just the report, I think, included that he was, uh, again, nothing's been officially announced, nor do they really have to, but allegedly was suspended for 30 days without pay and then he'll be paid the remainder of his contract while he's recovering from injury and surgery, and then he'll be bought out, if all that is to be believed. Moving on, uh, next news item. Ruby Soho is out of action due to suffering a broken nose at All Out during her zero-hour pre-show match. She will be undergoing surgery herself in October. It is broken in two places with a possible deviated septum. Yikes. Ouch. And follow-up question, is Britt Baker booking in alongside with her? 
after what happened on Dynamite? Yeah, I, I, I don't know what it is with Britt and her nose, but this was from a nasty bump due to Athena trying to display a show of power by lifting up two women at the same time. And then she drops down and Britt took a horrendous. She's lucky it's just a, a nose injury, a broken nose or whatever. But if necks were involved in that, we'd be having a whole different conversation. You can even see when when Athena dropped them both is just right on top of Brett's face, and it's like, oh man, I I, I rewound it. Of course, I'm a I'm a sucker for for uh, egregious punishment, and uh, I had to watch that face contact a couple of times. It's like, did I really see that the way I did? And yeah, and then Brett comes up with just her bottom part of her face just covered in blood. It's like, yeah, that's a gusher. Yep, she got it. Ouch. You know, for as good as the AEW announcers are, they totally missed that because they couldn't understand why she was bleeding. <sighs> yeah, and you don't have to be a rocket surgeon to pick that up. Yeah, it, it, it self-explanatory, but I guess not if you're not paying attention. All right, more news from Dynamite. The show started with Chris Jericho defeating Claudio Castagnoli to become the new Ring of Honor world champion. This is his eighth world title overall and has spawned some controversy. A lot of people don't think that uh, Chris Jericho at his age needs to be winning world titles, especially not Ring of Honor. And this puts an end to Claudio's approximate two-month title reign. Yeah, I, I don't know what the reason would be for the switch. I thought, you know, Claudio was super over when he showed up in, in AEW, and he's done really well uh, since he's been there. So to have them pull a title off of him so quickly leaves a question mark for me. Um, other controversy as well, like storyline-wise, was... Of course, you know Jericho didn't follow the, uh, the 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 code of honor for for Ring of Honor. No handshake in the championship match before the match started. Of course, all the cheating tactics um, that led to the win. Um, yeah, really showed Jericho being a being a dick heel there in in in, in prime form. But yeah, I would. I mean. I can I can see them giving it to him in the essence that's probably that's about the only thing in in professional wrestling that he's not done was was won an ROH championship so all right throw that onto the pile for your career there Chris um, but you know, to do that at the expense of Claudio I'm not sure that was the right call. The only thing I can think of, and this would be completely from a business point of view, is if Tony's trying to get Ring of Honor onto weekly television. And he had to put the title on Chris Jericho so that he can say he has a name as the world champion, similar to how Chris Jericho was the first world champion for AEW. But other than that, you're not going to be able to sell a whole bunch of people on Chris Jericho being the world champion of Ring of Honor. In other title change news off of Dynamite, the acclaimed are your new AEW Tag Team Champions after defeating Swerve in our glory. It's almost repeat the comments about Claudio, right? They like, Swerve in their glory had just picked up the title belts maybe two months ago, maybe three months ago tops. Um, and it seems like a quick turnaround for them who are seem to be doing really well with the belts. So, uh, again, not sure what the reasoning behind that was other than, hey, let's throw some shit against the wall and see what sticks, perhaps. Um, but, I mean, talented team that, that won the title, so I guess we'll see what happens. I think this was one of those instances where you have to strike while the iron is hot, and it's not going to get any hotter for the claim than it is right now. The one problem I had in this match, and since it was not a legitimate injury and it was probably booked that way it was a huge ended up being a huge mistake was 
the crescendo was building up with the audience for the title change as it was almost happening. And Max Caster goes up to the top rope to deliver the mic drop elbow. He falls off the top turnbuckle and clutches his knee and it makes it look like it's a legit injury. That crowd goes dead quiet and you lost all the momentum you just had. And they had to build it back up and it never reached that level that it did just minutes prior. And even though the title change happened and they did get a pop, I think they lost the crowd a whole lot when that knee injury happened and it, you know, ended up being not legit, but I think they dropped the ball there. They should have just gone with the crescendo and, and blown it off when they had the chance, but that's more inside baseball type talk and we're not really experts or insiders. So, but that's just my little opinion. Well, yeah, I mean, there are points where the, the crowd expects something to happen, right? Like you, you know, you get into a big tag match and, and the, the, say the team that's in control starts hitting all their spots and there's usually a rhythm. There's usually a set you know, this spot, then this spot, then this one. All right, now we've got them. Okay, now stun them, bam. Okay, now double team finisher, and and it's and it's over. That's the way the matches always go. When you're building up to that, it's like people just want to see it continue through to the end. This is what they're they're ready to see. It's like let's just they're behind the team. All right, let's go. Okay, we know what's coming. Okay, I'll move two, move three. Here we comes big win. Oh, geez, that got taken out of, out from underneath this. Oh, that might not be good, um, especially when when they try to run an injury angle too. It's because then you're like, Ooh, all right, so our team get to didn't get to do what they wanted to do. Plus, now this guy's hurt and it looks bad, right? Like we, I, I'm one of the worst ones at telling whether you know uh, an injury in a wrestling ring is is real or legit, like, unless it's like painfully obvious. Right, like like Brit, you know, the other night got her face, you know, landed head on face, smash your nose. That was obvious. But you know, there's times where you know guys will do a flip off the top rope. I'm sorry if you can hear my dog barking in his sleep, but um, you know, guys will do a flip off the top rope and then they'll they'll land kind of funny and they'll looks like they might tweak the knee and all of a sudden they grab it and they start rolling around and they oh oh. Did he, did he turn something? Did he did he twist something? Is an ACL gone here or something? And you, you're waiting. It's like, nope, he's not getting up. He's lying down, just clutching his knee. And then all of a sudden, the, other, the opponent starts just stomping away at it. It's like, okay, all right, shoo. All right, storyline. Okay, we can, we're, we're good. I, I wasn't sure that was storyline. That, that, looked, that looked pretty intense there. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it just it killed everything. Because now all of a sudden, you're more worried about, this guy really hurt? Like, what's going to happen here? And then they tried to take all of that momentum and all of that, that crowd behind what's going on and ready for that finish. And they kind of rebuilt that and just didn't quite work. Yep. 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 I agree. And other dynamite things after the aforementioned women's match where Britt Baker suffered a busted nose uh, the end of the match happened, and Britt and Rebel started to beat down the baby faces. And Jamie Hayter comes down and teases that she's gonna get into it with Britt, and then super kicks Tony Storm, I think it was. And then they hugged, and so that whole uh, last two to three weeks, I guess, since All Out. Uh, was a whole bunch of nothing because we're not getting a baby face Jamie Hayter. We're getting more of the same with uh, Britt and Jamie together. And so then they all start beating up the baby faces. And for a split second, when I when they get to the point where somebody is coming in, I'm like, okay, did Tony pony up more money? Is this where we're going to get Sasha? to AEW or who's coming, you know, somebody's got to come out. It's, it's the, it's building up like it's somebody new. And all of a sudden we get this unknown music and the Tron. And all of a sudden the name Soraya shows up and out walks the formerly known as page. 
Soraya is all elite and was rocking a pink studded jacket and it was super weird to see her in anything that was not black but she runs off the heels rebel's face was probably the best as her jaw was on the floor um and the baby faces come in athena and tony storm and they hug it out with soraya and it's not known whether or not she's cleared to wrestle but every indication of her body language was indicating that this is going to be a return for her to the ring. Uh, but nothing official yet. She's already booked for this Wednesday's Dynamite to explain her debut. But your thoughts on Soraya in AEW. Yeah, I had no clue it was coming. That was a surprise, and I had completely forgot about her other name for a bit. So when I saw Soraya, I'm like, okay, and then Paige, Soraya walks out, and I'm like, okay, holy crap, yeah, you got me, holy shit, this is big, got it, okay, cool. Um, I will say, though, she looks, from the way I remember her, and, and not saying she was at all or she looks like she's probably shredded underneath all those clothes now her face looked a lot smaller than it, than it used to be like like skinnier like more more i guess yeah skinnier that's the best way to put it so she looks like she's probably in incredible shape where she may have been um perhaps a couple of pounds or <laughs> just not you know what i'm trying to say she just looked good she looked really good um I, so if that's what it was to get ready to go and if her neck's okay then this is going to be cool um always enjoyed her in the ring and uh let's you know if she's if she's going to be wrestling again i'll see what she can bring to AEW because uh yeah i'm a fan this is good all i can say is if she's not cleared and will not be wrestling this is a huge letdown based on the way it was presented so We'll have to see, I guess, tune in Wednesday. But closing out Dynamite, we have a new AEW World Champion. Once again, it is John Moxley. He is the three-time AEW World Champion. And I guess a giant F you to his vacation, <laughs> as I explained last time when I thought it was going to be Brian Danielson. But I guess John is more reliable. John is not as injury prone as Brian is. Uh, and like you said last week or last episode, Jarrett, uh, this is the hot hand and this is the reliable guy. So here we are with John Moxley at the top of the mountain again. God damn, damn it, Josh, I want my points back. <laughs> if I've told you once, I've told you three episodes in a row. You're not getting them back. <laughs> no, I was I was actually right for once. Um it was it was as I called it good. I mean, I really they could have went either way, right? I mean, either Moxley or or Brian could have won this and, and it would have been just as good. It was a really good match. There's a lot of counter wrestling and there's a lot of uh, thought and psychological bits going into that one. It was physical. It had everything. It was an outstanding match and I would have been cool with either one of them winning it. Like I said, I just thought Moxley was the one on fire at the moment and they needed to stick with that. So they have, which is cool. So, I mean, he's essentially come back, uh, you know, giving up his, couple months vacation to to be the savior it seems like um you read about him and brian and, and chris jericho leading meetings behind the scenes he's obviously a, a excuse me a very integral part to AEW. so i think this is that that reward for that especially in the face of the punk debacle um and i, I really liked how he said um a couple weeks ago um you know it's time to be a legend and i think that's so cool and i can't wait to see what he does with this run well from the initial start of things it sounds like he's going to be defending the title a lot on free tv and not just pay-per-view 
So won't get into too much of those details, but expect a whole lot of John Moxley on your screen. Now, before I switch over to some miscellaneous items, I just happened to see a recent tweet tonight. Uh, actually, uh, AJ Styles had tweeted out, man, people will do anything for a t-shirt these days. Hashtag pathetic. To which Sami Zayn responded and said, Roman Reigns gifted me the honorary Oos t-shirt, now available at WWE Shop and selling like crazy from what I hear. Disrespect the shirt equals disrespect the bloodline. Might just come to Raw on Monday to sort this out. Oh, and I don't travel alone. Pack your bags, Oos, at WWE Solo Sokoa. Damn. Yeah, I, I see. <laughs> that's it. Damn. Is that okay? So, <laughs> you know, we've we've seen this going on, right? That of, you know, that, that internal bloodline thing that, you know, you've got the, the Usos tag team and now you've got um, Solo and, and uh, Sammy that are kind of buddy-buying it up with, with Jimmy Uso kind of in the middle where he's, like, supporting Jay but at the same time he's cool with Sammy. Uh, is is solo setting things up for the turn? Like perhaps um, we gotta wait and see. But uh, I don't know. A Sammy solo tag team against uh, maybe AJ and somebody else might be a a cool one off match to have. And I mean, give me some more solo time on TV. That's always cool too. Um, yeah, I'll be tuning in. Okay, on to some miscellaneous items. There are some contracts expiring soon in Impact Wrestling, and they belong to the OG Kingdom and Maria Kanellis. Maria revealed recently that she is on a per-appearance contract that expires at Bound for Glory in October. Matt Taven and Mike Bennett's contracts expire soon as well, but no dates were given. So some potential free agents coming up in the landscape of wrestling. Well, I read about this too, and there, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to Maria these days. So, you know, you're right. She's on her, her per appearance deal and it's pretty much up. Um, so there's, you know, she's been talking to Hunter. She's been talking to, to EW. Um, she's been talking to, to WoW apparently. So one thing WWE wise she has going for her is Paul Heyman is a huge fan of hers. Um, and is creditor with an unbelievably creative mind. And we know that she was booking um, the women's action over at Impact. So perhaps, you know, she can bring that to WWE as well. And with her comments that she always felt Mike had some unfinished business uh, in WWE, I really hope they come back. And I know, you, Josh, you're fans of those too. And um, I bet you're hoping they can have some kind of a, a nice run to maybe not end their career right now, but to to have that big run in WD that perhaps they never had yet. Yeah, uh, I completely agree with Maria's opinion that she can envision herself leading the kingdom down to the ring at WrestleMania and that he has unfinished business there because his initial run did not go as well as they had hoped and it's always been his dream since he was a kid to be in WWE and I don't think he wants to have that sour taste in his mouth from his experience at WWE and I think it was a combination of things that when Paul Heyman was taken out as the executive director of Raw and then the pandemic hit and they were in that group of releases. So, and plus the storyline never took the course that it was supposed to and kind of was just awful and didn't get the conclusion that it was supposed to. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for them. I hope they get uh, a, a big platform to, show their talents on and uh, the tag teams are divisions are getting better on Raw and SmackDown. So I think now is the time to strike. So we'll have to see where they go and how things go. 
Uh, next miscellaneous item. Uh, is it just me or does Tony Khan seem a bit chippy about WWE lately? He sounds bitter about WWE putting shows on over Labor Day weekend. And he's been quoted as calling the Northeast the crown jewel of wrestling markets, not some BS overseas in Saudi Arabia. uh, Sorry, Saudi Arabia. So uh, Tony seems like uh, a a kid who's not getting his way lately. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, he, he needs to focus on his own product and not worry about WWE right now. I, I'm wondering if Tony's getting a little worried. So, you know, we, we had the debacle after all out, right? So Punk's gone. Um, Kenny Omega, arguably the best guy on the planet right now, along with a couple others, he's gone. The Young Bucks are gone. And... The WWE appears to be gaining all this momentum with with Hunter behind the helm. Everyone is is excited that I don't have any other way to put this that, that Vince is gone, right? So everybody's like, "Well, what's Hunter doing? He's turning around NXT and putting things back the way they were. He's bringing back folks that were released that perhaps people thought shouldn't have been there." And and overall, in the span of a month and a half that he started, he visibly started. To, to turn the product around already. Um, I think AEW is enjoying a bit of a period where Vince was running things into the ground and they knew it and they were taking advantage of that. And and they were, don't get me wrong, AEW is putting on a good show themselves. I, I think they were enjoying some, um, some boost from perhaps lackluster efforts from WWE. Now that is being all shored up and they're starting to make a push. So they're starting to come up and and uh, push AEW, and I think that's probably got Tony a little bit rattled. I don't think he i I think he was caught off guard by Vince's retirement and subsequent promotion for Triple H. And the the hilarious irony is that they were braggadocious about defeating Triple H's NXT, but now that Triple H has the entire roster at his disposal and storytelling and everything's in his control it's it's panic time so we'll have to see where this winds up and lastly this is more of an opinion thing not a news item per se but long-term storytelling is something that's come back to the forefront but there's long-term storytelling versus taking too long to advance a story or plot point and my example on this is the entire thing with Miz and Dexter Loomis it started out great started out fast and furious and in my opinion it's just dragging that it's the same thing week after week after week get to the next plot point give me a reason why otherwise this is going on for far too long what do you think about that that's a good one um yeah i i guess i would tend to agree i i think maybe as far as a time period it hasn't gone on for too long but i think they're just doing the same thing over and over it's dexter shows up Miz gets either captured or an attempt to be captured. I mean, I dig that they're doing some different things. They're, they're, he's pulling him into the crowd uh, one week. The next week, he's coming out from under the ring and then staring Miz down like from the top. Well, he's lying on the floor, but catches Miz as he's going over the top rope and a really creepy stare and distracts him. The week after, he's coming up through the ring, but it's all in an attempt to do to get the same result. And perhaps that's what needs to change. I don't. I don't mind how long it's gone on. I think that if they're going to keep doing it, though, they need to get into doing something different. Why is Miz no selling it every week? He needs to. If he's going to get taken, he needs to be taken and then gone. Don't just keep showing up week after week. That so what is he escaping? How great of a capture artist is Dexter Loomis if Miz keeps escaping every week? Give me something to 
hold on to that until you get to that next plot point. You know, have Tommaso Ciampa come out. Oh, I haven't heard from Miz since he, since the incident last week. I haven't been able to get a hold of him and blah, blah, blah. Give me something. Give me a why. Give me, you know, bring up Indy Hartwell. Do something. But it's just Miz gets taken. Miz comes back the next week. Doesn't want to talk about it. Miz gets taken. Comes back the next week. Doesn't want to talk about it. Uh, I'd be okay with the time if they gave me something else to sink my teeth into, you know, mentally that I can process the next okay this is where they're going with okay he was taken last week now nobody's heard from him have maurice be frantic at the house have investigators in the living room have them setting up surveillance something if you're going to do a realistic storyline do it the whole thing with samoa joe being at aj styles's house was more believable than this is because there's not you know there's not that extra element in there that needs to be. And, you know, comparing Samoa Joe to Dexter Loomis in terms of talking skills is not even close to <laughs> the same ballpark. But uh, it, it, do you get what I'm saying? It's like yeah. you can't keep yeah. having Miz come back week after week. Well, and I think that's where the probably the even more egregious error is, is the way that Miz is playing this off. So, you know, Miz gets captured, like he said, he comes back. Next week, he's acting like nothing happened. Well, the, I think what the story they're trying to tell is that something absolutely did happen, but Miz is trying to just, you know, I'm I'm bigger and better than this, and I'll beat the guy up, whatever. They're trying to make him be the, you know, be the man, I guess. He's, you know, I, well, that's not a big deal. I'll just beat the guy up. But I think whatever's going on should be a little more psychologically impactful on, on the Miz character. And that's where I think the mistake is being made. Like I said, I don't, I don't think it's time. I don't think it's, it's effort. I think it's the way Miz is playing this. And uh, if they made some changes there, I think we would have a completely different feel uh, to this storyline. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, why not have like this, all of the stuff you mentioned is, is great. Like having Maurice freaking out, having Indian there. Why not have Miz put up the front, but then start showing the chinks in the armor I guess as he tries to be defensive and strong about it, perhaps he has a has a PTSD moment and then he and he cracks and he starts falling apart and, and losing it or something. But they're not they're not really touching that side of it, so that the the catch and release doesn't make sense. I think because of that, flesh out the story is all I'm saying. Yeah, hopefully we'll get something moved in the right direction this week on raw but those were the news items of the week and any final thoughts sir yeah i mean, i want to see where that goes the, the luminous miz things go i want to see where, where um uh soul and sammy are going i want to see where the bloodline's going so i'm getting a little more interested in all these individual it's now as opposed to, well, I just want to see Roman. So that I guess that's probably, a, if anything, it's a good sign for them that someone that was just DVRing bits and watching for one or two people to come out is actually starting to branch out and see what's going on in the rest of the show. So um, I got to give them props for that. And I just want to see that continue. Let the whole show grow. Let everything get better. And in a few months' time, they were just raving about how fantastic WWE is again. One thing that I hope doesn't get forgotten, and ironically, it's the fact of forgetting the little things, is I hope they have like a big giant spreadsheet or document or I'll even settle for a whiteboard of all their stories that they're trying to tell because they kind of forgotten or slip through the cracks, the whole Nikki Ash and Dewdrop thing, because we haven't seen them on Raw since that backstage detail of Nikki taking off her superhero mask and throwing it at Dewdrop. They were on NXT the next night, lost, and haven't been on TV since. So I'm hoping they circle back to that because 
I want to get back to Nikki Cross and Piper Niven, and I thought that's where they were going, and now they haven't been on TV. So that's my only concern is that if you're going to make everybody feel important, don't forget about everybody. Well, Josh, you got to go back to what I've been saying for weeks, if not months now. This is what happens when you have a zillion people on your roster. You can't get everyone on TV every week, and that's a that's a huge um, a huge problem when you've got a big roster like that. Sounds like we need a fourth night of WWE programming. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we'll fix the problem. We'll throw another TV show at the wall. Oh boy! <laughs> All right. Well, once again. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing, and we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can subscribe to the Wrestling Brethren Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast fix to hear the latest discussion from the Wrestling Brethren. You can visit us at TWBpodcast.com for posts and episodes. Visit the mothership, if you will, at BehindTheSquaredCircle.com, home of the Behind the Squared Circle podcast network. Let us know your thoughts, questions, and comments at Twitter at TWBP Show, on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Behind the Squared Circle, and on Instagram at The Wrestling Brethren. You can follow Jared on Twitter at The Bacon Rev, and you can follow Josh at Southpaw Josh. Thank you again for listening, and we will talk to you again soon with more from The Wrestling Brethren.